0: Hello, happy 4th of July, and welcome to this week's episode of Ask Dr. Jessica, the podcast where I interview experts to talk about common childhood concerns. Today's podcast will be the second part of my interview with my favorite sports medicine doctor, Tracy Zaslow. We talk today about two really common sports injuries that I get a lot of questions about in my practice, sprained ankles and concussions. So thank you so much for listening, and if you can remember to subscribe and leave a review, just know that I would be so appreciative. Now on to the podcast. Okay, so now I know there's a lot um, of specifics within your field of sports medicine, but I thought I would ask you about in general, um, some of the most common injuries that I see in my office so that parents can know, you know when they can treat it at home, when they might need to see a doctor, when they might consider getting the injury uh, imaged. Absolutely. So I thought I'd first start with sprained ankles. That's something that I see probably weekly in my office. In general yeah. terms, can you let parents know how to how to manage a sprained ankle from home and, and when they might need to talk to a doctor about it?
1: Yes, so you know a sprained ankle happens all the time, you know, running, just twist the ankle, and then um, a sprain specifically refers to the idea that a ligament was pulled. Um, but if you know kid is running, twists their ankle, comes in crying, ankle swells up then the the thing a swollen ankle isn't the end of the world um you can definitely start with ice um 20 minutes on 20 minutes off if, you know depending if they're old enough to tolerate that usually under five or six they will not let you put ice on it um but as they get older they can tolerate those short-term um icing uh and then um so ice keeping it elevated meaning laying down and um, putting the ankle above the level of the heart uh, so that gravity can kind of pull that down and then you can wrap it, not too tight, and some patients get a little um, over-vigorous with their wrapping, but wrapping it with like a compression wrap to give a, um, a little bit more of that um, compression and help with swelling. Those are kind of your basic at-home um, treatments, and you can do Tylenol or um, Motrin, so acetaminophen or the the um, non-steroidal anti inflammatory so Motrin, ibuprofen, um, Advil, um, any of those are fine. I'd lean towards the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, so ibuprofen in that family, um, because that might help with inflammation as well. But you would just want to be cautious that you don't give ibuprofen, and then they say, oh, I feel great, and now they're running around on a sore ankle. So if you did give medication, they should just kind of lay low for a little bit till we make sure that they're truly um, feeling better. Um, so then the question comes, so when do you need to go get it checked out? Um, so the big thing would be, are they able to walk normally? If they can walk normally, um, then, um, then they're probably fine to watch at home. Um, if they are walking with a limp or they won't put weight on that ankle, then they should probably be evaluated by a medical provider. Um, that's one of our criteria that we look for to determine whether or not to do an x-ray. So if you're if you're limping or can't bear weight on that um, on the on the foot, then um, then we probably want to check it out, and likely we'll look at an X-ray to make sure there's not a break. Um, the one thing with kids is that even though sprained ankles are really, really, really common, um, kids are still more likely to to break, um, to, to hurt the bone than they are to hurt the ligament and um, versus adults that are more likely to hurt a ligament. Uh, so we have a lower threshold to look at an x-ray and make sure that we're not missing something there.
0: So a couple of questions uh, just to touch upon. One is, you know, right after sprained ankle, most kids will limp. So does it is it more of the length of time after they sprain their ankle that you would get an X ray or want to be evaluated?
1: Yes, yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, you know, the the criteria is actually if they're looking at the time of injury or once they come into your office, um, so into our office. Um, but um you know, I think sure. If you, they twist their ankle, they they limp for a few minutes, and then they're up and running without any medications or other significant interventions. I think you're you're fine. You're good to go. Um, but if it's going on, you know, hours into days, um, then that's when you'd want to check it out. If it's stopping them from doing their regular activity, um, that would be time to check it out as well.
0: Okay, and and just to also touch upon, uh, you mentioned ice. I think that's such a great point about. Uh, under five, it might not, it might not work out so well. I remember I used to always tell parents, you know, advise them to, to ice injuries. And then when I had my own kids and they were little, and I tried putting ice on an injury and they wouldn't let me, I thought it's, it's an example of where the advice that's really easy to give, but harder to follow. So
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, those younger kids, they're just not gonna they're gonna be too uncomfortable with it. Um, and even even some of the older kids won't tolerate it. But it's worth a try as that, you know, worth offering it and see what they'll tolerate. So
0: And specifically, you said to put it on every, did you say every 20 minutes?
1: Yes. Um, so usually we, we, you want at least 20 minute break between icing sessions and then, um, and then not to have it on more than 20 minutes. Um, and then when you do have it on, having something between the ice and the skin. So like a thin towel or, um, you know, washcloth, something just so that you're not, um, you know, I've seen some cases of, um, you know, frostbite um, or, you know, skin injury because the ice was on either too long or just too cold against the skin. So um, we want the cold, but we gotta get to that happy medium of uh, having the cold without injuring the skin.
0: Okay, and out of curiosity, do you think it really makes a difference? Does ice more work to improve symptoms or does it work to help the ankle feel better, to, to numb the um, pain?
1: So for, for ankle injuries, I think it is a combination. I think the ice does bring down the pain level, but it also um, constricts those blood vessels and decreases the swelling that can occur. So um, I think it definitely plays a role there. Um, in other injuries that may not swell so much, um, then it probably is less of a role and maybe more you know, pain. Um, but for ankles, it can be really
0: helpful. That's great. And, and how long should parents expect to ice the injury for? A day or two?
1: Yeah, it really depends on the severity of the injury of how long the ice is needed. And so how, how much swelling is there. Um, but if, if there's swelling, um, then the ice can be helpful. So as long as there's swelling, then it's worth trying some ice to bring that swelling down.
0: And then while we're on the subject of ice, something that comes up a lot, parents don't know whether to use ice after injuries and when to, when to switch to heating pads and warmth. Do you have any general yeah. advice on that principle?
1: Yeah. I mean, the number one is the medical data, it doesn't, you know, it isn't, isn't super strong in either direction. Except for acute injuries, um, ice is more helpful. So, again, ice to prevent the swelling or bring down the swelling um, in an acute injury. So, meaning they they ran, they twisted their ankle, and now it's sore. Or um, they fell and, you know, landed on their knee. Let's put some ice on it. That will prevent it from getting too swollen or bruised, hopefully. Um, So, those are definitely cases for ice. Things where it's more um, chronic, like, well, I've had a sore back for a week or so. That's where it's much more mixed ice versus heat versus a combination of the two. And that's where I recommend just doing what feels better for you. So, um, so sometimes in those cases, like a sore back would be you can do ice, um, after activity or after injury. And then before, if you're trying to kind of warm it up and feel better, then actually doing some heat can help be helpful. Sometimes people just like to alternate ice and heat or ice bugs them a lot and heat feels good or vice versa. And so for those situations, um, it's really what feels best. But for the acute injury, a fall, a twisting of an ankle, things like that, ice is the best.
0: Okay. So right after an injury, ice maybe for the first day or two. And then aside from that, it's more about what feels good. Exactly. Okay. Now, this is a complicated subject. I know there's a lot of details and a lot of specifics to get into, but I wanted to briefly touch upon concussions. Um, a lot of kids are now back in sports and I've seen an up, an uptick in head injuries. And I just wanted to let parents have a general understanding about concussions. Um, My first question to you is, how can parents distinguish between, you know, if if their child gets hit on the head, how can they distinguish between a head injury, you know, feeling a headache after just being hit on the head versus an actual concussion?
1: It's tough. Um, (laughs) So in the sense that... (laughs) It's a loaded um, question. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, concussion is defined as um, any, you know, trauma to the head that is associated with headache, dizziness, nausea, and a whole constellation more of symptoms. So um, by definition, if someone comes in and says to me or tells me as like a over-the-phone conversation that, uh, yes, they got hit in the head and they have a diffuse headache, meaning like it's the whole head. If they have, oh, I bumped my forehead and it hurts right here in that one spot, then, um, then sure, that probably is just a bump to the head. But if, they're, if they have a headache, if they have nausea, if they're kind of feeling tired or a little out of it, um, dizziness, you know, any, any of the other symptoms, then it gets called a concussion. And so it's pretty low threshold to call it a concussion. Um, and we don't have a ton of tests to, to define it better. It's not like it can be like, okay, well, it sounds like a concussion. Let me do an x-ray and then we can, we can confirm whether it's a concussion or not. It's really, once we hear that history, if there's a trauma and then any of the symptoms that go with concussion then we call it a concussion um and the part with that i guess that's challenging is you know then it does change what you're going to do for the next you know week or so uh in the sense that if it is a concussion then we don't want the a new head injury during the recovery period and so um that you know i so going back to that um so I'll recap here. So um, so what do you do if your kid gets hit in the head and you're not sure if they have a concussion or not? I think that's the time to call your primary care physician, have the conversation, and then work through whether, um, whether we need to take further precautions for a concussion or whether, you know what, maybe this is just a bump on the head. Um, but I think it's a hard decision um, as a parent to make. But if there are symptoms other than just pain at the spot where they were hit, then we're probably going to lean towards calling it a concussion.
0: I think this is a great, you know, this is a great overview, because I think what's so tricky is that there really is no specific test to diagnose a concussion. There's no MRI, there's no x-ray, no CT scan where you can visually see or identify a concussion. It really has to do with a constellation of symptoms, as you described. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I always like to tell families, too, um, that sometimes there will there'll be a head injury and they will go to an emergency department. And um, sometimes a CT scan will be done and sometimes it won't. Um, it's not done unless the uh, medical staff is really concerned that there's a, a bleed in the brain or a skull fracture, something more serious. Um, and that's because um, if we can avoid a CT scan, that's great because it's a bunch of x-rays to the head. Um, with that said, if there is concern that there's something more going on, then that CT scan is worth every bit of um, exposure. and um, and then sometimes it comes back normal. so when um, when the CT scan is normal, families sometimes come out thinking, "Oh, it's okay. There was no concussion." Um, but the definition of concussion is any sort of head injury with those symptoms. Um, And by definition, the CT scan would be normal because it's more of a functional problem than a structural problem. So meaning the CT scan looks normal, but it's still, you know, things are still not quite working quite right.
0: I also find what's interesting with concussions is that kids will have um, emotional disturbances. They're more sensitive um, or their personality might seem different. They're, They're slower to respond to parents. So those are also symptoms to be on the lookout for.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think sometimes even it's a little delayed in the sense of what everyone picks up as for the concussion, meaning that maybe they played in a soccer tournament on Sunday, it was a hot day. And so they, you know, there were lots of bumps during the game, there wasn't any one specific one. But you know, end of the game, they've got a headache, they're tired. And everyone's like, Oh, it was a hot day, they're dehydrated, it was a long day, they're tired. And so no one quite puts it all together just yet. And then they go to school Monday. Now they're having some difficulty concentrating, or they take a test that they perform much more poorly than usual. Um, and so, in, then in hindsight, we go, "Well, wait, was there something more that happened? Maybe they're more sensitive at home; they're crying out of out of character, um, and um, and those can all be signs that a concussion had occurred.
0: And in general, I know this is a very complicated topic, and there's a lot to discuss. Um, but what would the recovery in general look like for families? What could they expect? Is, is a child going to stay home, um, until the symptoms completely, re- completely resolve? Or will they anticipate going back to s- school shortly after?
1: Yeah, good question. And this has changed a lot over the past really five to 10 years. So um, it used to be if you were diagnosed with a concussion, you were told go in a dark room and don't come out until you're better. Right. Um, that's absolutely fallen by the wayside. Um, research has shown us that, um, that sitting in that dark room makes you more anxious and worried about your symptoms and feel more symptoms and makes the symptoms last longer. So what we want to do is very individualized because um, we need to support the symptoms that they're experiencing and try not to aggravate them, but really encourage them to engage in as, you know, as much of um, life that's not too stimulating. So some of the the example I put it would be with school. Um, so again, they looked at staying home from school for five days versus going to school when you feel like you could. And the kids who started to go um, when they felt like they could actually recovered faster. So, um, Gradually getting back into school, you know, maybe you don't go a full day right after your concussion, but for a couple hours, if that feels good, slowly increasing that Um, and still engaging in social um, interaction with friends is important. Doing calm things like um, listening to music, listening to podcasts, uh, watching television is okay, but avoiding things like video games, lots of computer time, big events like concerts with lots of stimulating uh, components. Um, so it's it's finding the balance between all of that. And uh, it is a, a longer discussion. But those are some of the key points of it. So
0: it sounds like in general, it's it's more about monitoring their symptoms and and gradually increasing what they do based on their based on what they can tolerate.
1: Exactly. Yes. That's perfect summary. And, and that happens anywhere from a few days to a few weeks time. So when parents are wondering, well, how long is it going to take to, um, to see this recovery? 70% of kids are a hundred percent by, um, three weeks. Um, many are better faster than that. And, you know, then there's still that little component that takes longer and, um, we just need to treat each child, um, individually, depending on their symptoms and supporting that.
0: Now, I know we talked about going back to school, but what about participating in sports again? Do they have to be fully recovered from symptoms?
1: So um, so to return to sports, there's also a gradual return. And this is actually a very um, specific um, day-by-day advancement that you would go through and you need to complete each step before you go to the next. Um, but we encourage early activities, so starting with walking. Um, some stretching, some things to get the heart rate up, um, uh, you know, as soon as they can tolerate. And so that's like 10 to 15 minutes on the first day. If that feels good, meaning their symptoms are not worse, they can do 20 or 30 minutes on the second day, 30 to 45 minutes on the third day, and then move up to non-contact training. So non-contact training can look like Yeah, you know what, they still have some symptoms, but when they play, um, when they go kick the ball around or go for a run, they they feel good. So they're allowed to be out there, but not doing drills where they're playing defense or someone playing defense on them or having anything coming at them. So um, for baseball, for example, that they can go out and hit off a tee, they can throw, they can run, but they shouldn't be fielding or hitting a pitched ball. Um, And then they sit at this level of kind of non-contact until they are symptom-free. So once their symptoms have completely resolved, the criteria to go back to full play is symptoms have completely resolved, they're back to full school and academic normal, academic performance, and they've done this non-contact level of training and have felt good without symptoms. Um, Then they'll usually see their uh, medical provider um, who can then say, all right, now you're cleared, but they still need to complete a contact practice before they go to a game. So as I always tell patients when they come in for their visit, um, don't come to me on game day for your follow-up. Please come so that we can uh, make sure to get that contact practice in before the game.
0: So it really sounds like recovery from concussions and returning to sports is a very individualized approach. A hundred percent.
1: That's, that's the key word at this point is individualized, uh, return to play. And, um, and so, like I said, some kids do that progression over a seven day period and they're good to go and they're back to their full sport. And, and other kids, they might, you know, kind of sit at uh, one of those levels for a few days to weeks, or maybe the, you know, two or three days, um, at each level. And, um, they get back there by definition, concussions resolve. You get back to your full, um, activity. But, um, but it just takes different people a different amount of time. No, so
0: thank you for explaining this. I know, I know that this could be a long conversation in and of, in and of itself, concussions. Um, but it is an area that I, as, as you mentioned, has really changed in how we manage them over the last five, 10 years. Thank you for that overview.
1: Yes. No. Come on. Concussion is a is a very lengthy topic. I could talk to you probably all day about it. But uh, um, but yes, I think those are the the key concepts. You, know, you, you get better, and uh, it just uh, takes takes the amount of time that you need as an individual.
0: Thank you so much. So so now, just to to conclude our conversation, um, is there any advice that you'd give to parents? You know, after all the work and and children you've treated in the field of sports medicine, um, any any advice for families? Should they think about sports? Should they Avoid sports.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think sports are great. I think they just play um, such a great role in um, in children's lives and families' lives. I think they're a great way for kids to to be active, be social, build confidence, build strength, uh, stay out of trouble. You know, keep good motivation and direction. Um, so I could go on and on with my list of uh, you know I think the role of sports, and I think it's just engaging with um, sports and physical activity in a really healthy way. Um, making it be fun finding your passion within in the sense of there's so many different sports that are out there from um, from you know kind of your your more common soccer football volleyball to um, all sorts of new sports that have popped up over the years from parkour and rock climbing and um, you know indoor outdoor there's something for everyone and um, so I think it's really important to to help kids to discover what they love and how they can stay healthy and active.
0: Thank you so much. That's such good advice. Thank you. Thanks so much for having
1: me. It's such a great conversation.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. I would be so grateful if you would take a moment to leave a five-star review. Your support is what helps this podcast grow. See you next Monday.